Welcome, everyone, to Everyday Holiness, a Faith ND podcast brought to you by the Notre Dame Alumni Association. This is Dan Allen, Spirituality Program Director, and today we have the privilege of speaking with Audrey Barb, a third-year exchange student from Lyon, France, and we're going to be talking to her today about her background and story, her coming to Notre Dame, and where she's headed to after this exchange year. So welcome to the podcast, Audrey. Hello. (laughs) How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks. (laughs) Great. Well, thanks for taking some time with us today. So you're from France, but an exchange student here. Tell me a little bit about your background before you came to Notre Dame. Yes. So before I came, I was uh, studying a bunch of social sciences in uh, my home university in France, uh, located in in Paris. And... um, Yes, yeah, so I was doing, bachelors are very general in France, so I was doing like political science, economics, um, history, law, uh, and it's a university that trains the political leaders of France, so those first years have like a kind of common knowledge background formation before we specialize uh, with masters. So yeah, I've been studying that for two years, and for our third year, we were required to go abroad, and so... Yes, when I found that Notre Dame was a partner university of my home university, uh, I was really glad because it would be uh, the chance for me to study theology because I cannot do that in France. Universities don't offer that opportunity. And so, so yeah, I jumped on the, the opportunity and it's been a, a blessing there um, so far. That's great. It's, it's interesting to me that you would be a young person from France and drawn to this this aspect of theology at Notre Dame and the study of, of Christianity and Catholic thought, I think from an American context, sometimes we think about Europe as a place uh, to be re-evangelized or a place where there, you know, there's increasing mm-hmm. secularism. Of course, we have some of those struggles here in the United States as well. Tell us about your experience of growing up in France and what your development of faith was like during that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this question is interesting because uh, Christianity has become very part of the tradition in France. It's the churches, the big churches, or, um, for example, my parents got me baptized in France, so it's very much rooted in the tradition. But I'm not sure a lot of people um, still have faith. And I was born in a kind of family where my parents got married at church and got me baptized with my sisters, but we're not. Def- we were definitely not a, a, a family that believed in God, per se. Um, and I think it's when I arrived in high school that I, I began to, to turn to faith. Um, and especially, I remember going on retreats with my high school. And I really loved those retreats because I could feel that, yeah, physically it was really good. Like we would do some walks and some pilgrimages. And also intellectually, like I loved the, the preaching of the priests and how, how bright they were. And also spiritually, I could feel that the, the silence that was given to us was a kind of uh, nourishing. And so I was thinking that, oh, there is something about this Christ that reveals what it means to be human and kind of extends my being um, in all these dimensions, uh, which was really great, yeah. And so I think I grew in faith with my high school, and yeah, I did my confirmation when I was uh, 15, I think. And then I went to university, and your university was a bit of a hurdle because uh, there weren't many questions, and my university is very secular. So yeah, it was definitely a hurdle, but... Uh, yeah, meeting a, a religious community helped me to, to grow in faith um, during those years. And when you were looking at 
different options for where to study abroad. What was attractive to you about Notre Dame, I guess, on paper or, mm-hmm. or on the web as you were looking looking for options to come here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. At the end of, the, of my second year, I um, had the desire to become a, a sister. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, but I need to complete my bachelor uh, before I begin to discern that question more, uh, more intentionally. And so when I found out about Notre Dame and about the theology department, I thought that doing theology for a year would uh, enable me some kind of discernment, um, like bringing faith clo- closer to to my to my daily daily life and daily uh, considerations. Because in my home university, I really felt that like my intellectual life was like on one side and my faith life was on the other side, and there was no really connection between those two. And so, yeah, when I saw the the the, the good department of theology of, of Notre Dame. I was glad that this opportunity was presented to me uh, in order to reconcile that a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that faith seeking reason and faith and science not having to be opposed to one another but can inf- inform one another that there's a limit sometimes to our scientific understanding and then to go beyond that and try to understand things on a metaphysical level, we need we need the guidance of faith. And that's mm-hmm. some, certainly something here at Notre Dame that's welcomed and, and part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. So in thinking of that, what has been your experience as you've come here? There was you had the concept of this would be a good mm-hmm. place to come, but in actually coming here and studying, what what has it been like for you? Yeah, uh, it's been great. I mean, there are really great people here. Um, I love the Amer- the American culture. My dad also loves the U.S. He came here to study, and so when I'm coming here, he was glad I, I would come. And it's true that the American people have a genuine openness to yeah to be willing to meet people and who they are and. I think they're very generous as well. I've met some really good people at the Basilica and they're really very generous, like always offering me presents or things like this. And it's really, there's no reason for that, right? It's just uh, genuine charity. And and um, yeah, especially also among the students as well. Um, I think um, Notre Dame students are very devout and it's been making me grow in faith. And especially I, like I converted like to I mean, I, I had a conversion like I was when I was 15, so not so long ago. And uh, when I converted, many of the teachings of the church was difficult for me to to kind of uh, embrace. And it took some time. And I think, um, especially with the Right to Life Club in Notre Dame, um, I think it, it really deeply reconciled me with, uh, with all the teachings of the church. And uh, yeah, I can, I went, for example, to the March for Life in Washington. Uh-huh. Um, it was really great. I mean, uh, like two years from for before or two years ago, I would never think I would I would do that. But yeah, coming to Notre Dame, I discovered the joy of actually um, recognizing in the church um, what gives me life. Um, yeah, that's great. It's a really interesting aspect of your story that the Holy Spirit, I think, has been working through various people in your life to deepen your faith. Mm. Uh, those of us who grew up what we might call cradle Catholics, where we were baptized as infants and and grew up in practicing the faith in our family, that that's sort of the regular way, you might say, of of someone growing in their faith and then branching out from that. But it seems like your path was a little bit different in that you had this awakening in high school through some of your peers and some of the the priests you mentioned, as well as coming here, the encounter with some of your fellow Mm -hmm. students that 
that that's been an opportunity for you to grow in your faith, and, and you've been receptive to that. So can you reflect about that dynamic of your life of other people who have who have helped you deepen your faith? Yeah, I think as you mentioned, yeah, in high school, I was very much in a position of receiving receiving the faith because all this was new to me. Uh, I, w- I was not raised Catholic, um, so yeah, all this was new to me. And when I came to university, I was blessed to find uh, a religious community that is a, a Jesuit charismatic community in France. And so, yeah, I met some uh, brothers and sisters from that community that were kind of managing a, a kind of dorm, but outside of campus because we have no dorm life in France. And so, yeah, I met them through that because like there were things relevant to faith happening there, like faith sharing groups and uh, things like this. So I would go sometimes to see what, what would happen there. And yeah, when I first arrived in college, like the first semester was hard because I, yeah, I fell again in some, in some self- sinfulness. And so I ended up at Mass on a Sunday, uh, bringing that to the Lord. Yeah, I think I had the deepest experience of mercy there because there was this song of, uh, from the lyrics of St. Therese of Lisieux, which says, if I had committed all the sins of the world, I would know that it, uh, it's only a droplet of water in the ardent fire of God's mercy. Hmm. And yeah, I think it was the deep, my deepest experience of, of God's mercy graciously given to me. And on that same mass, I received the, the intuition to go on a retreat. And I think part of me remembered like the retreats in high school. And so I did this retreat with this community, with this religious community. And, um, and yeah, and there I took a commitment as a young adult of the community that had like, a, it's a commitment that had five pillars that were very simple, like uh, pray, pray daily, uh, going to some formations, like spiritual formation by the, given by the brothers and the sisters of the community. There was a bit of a fellowship as well, like once every two weeks with the other young, young people I was committed with. And then being part of the mission of the, of the community, helping out a bit and also being uh, spiritually directed. And I think this really gave me a kind of spine in my faith and helped me introduce faith in, in my daily daily reality and daily life. So I was really blessed to find out a bit uh, about this community. And, and yeah, it's also with them, I think that I um, received the desire of, uh, of, my, of my vocation from, from the Lord. That's beautiful. Is this the same community that you're now considering entering into? Oh, no, that's not the same yet. Okay, so tell us about that community that you're considering as a vocation and how you came to encounter them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the first community has met like has a big charism for the new evangelization, I think, because they're very, they have good communication, very turned toward young people, and, and it's true that they bring a lot of people back to the faith. I mean, I was brought back, back to the faith thanks to them. But I was, as I was discerning this desire, I could feel that I was yearning for a place that would have somehow more silence and that would be more contemplative. And so I found out about another community when I um, was doing interreligious dialogue in the south of France. So, <laughs> yeah, and uh, this monastic community that in the south of France, they have a monastery that is close to, um, to a Muslim neighborhood. And so the nuns are really have a deep friendship with the people that live close to them. So I met them on that occasion. And uh, yeah, I think when I went there, it was, I didn't think particularly of my call, um, but um, I was struck by how they prayed because they, when they pray with the gospel, so they read the gospel and then they, they sing the gospel and then they, they repeat each verse of it uh, three times. And it's a, uh, 
Yeah, it's a traditional uh, monastic uh, method of, of prayer. It's called manducation. And I was struck by this because of its efficacious dimension that is, it really prints the, the spirit of the gospel in, in the heart and in the soul. So much that one year and a half after, I was just praying and uh, I got reminded those words I had been repeating yeah, more than a year uh, before um, in prayer. This time I was uh, wondering where I, where I would go to celebrate Easter. And so for me, that was a nice, yeah, a nice intuition that maybe there was something going there that I should, uh, that I should check up on. And so I returned to their place, to the community, but in a different monastery I have, and, um, and celebrated Easter with them. It was really good because at that time I was really struggling to have a sense of how to pursue holiness as a, as a woman uh, in the church and also what femininity meant um, under the gaze of God because I had the sense that the culture said many things but I was really longing for finding the truth of, of femininity and the truth of what it means to be a woman through the gospel. And when I arrived there, Really, I found, I think, a concrete answer in the, in the sisters that I met. They were really a great example of, of charity and of, and of humility. And yes, what I like about their community, what I liked at the time I met them at Easter also, is that there are priests in their community and brothers, and they, sang, they sing the liturgy of Easter together. And the combination of those, both of those voices was really, really beautiful. And so there was something in me that was restored in terms of... Uh, of the beauty of how humanity was created, um, I think. That's beautiful. It reminds me of Basil Moreau's intentions for Holy Cross, of mm-hmm. this relationship of priests, brothers, and sisters, and the way that we can we can inform each other. And, and mm-hmm. we'll get to Holy Cross here in a minute, but I want to ask you a little bit. Well, first of all, what's the name of the community? Oh, yes, I didn't say the name. That's okay. Yeah, they're the Little Sisters of the Lamb. Okay, Little okay. Sisters of the Lamb. Mm-hmm. And can you explain their charism and okay. what's attractive about that? Sure, yeah. So, yeah, maybe I'll begin with their motto, which is, Wounded, I will never cease to love. And I think it relates well to the mystery of the Lamb, right? That is, wounded and that... Uh, sheds his blood for us, for the redemption of, of, of souls. And yes, uh, when I came back after, after this Easter I was talking about to meet them, this motto of the community that is core to their spirituality really, really struck me and really, I think, uh, healed some wounds I had from my childhood that I uh, discovered I had through prayer. And the community was born in France um, at the time was when there, were, there was turmoil with regards to like it's the time where abortion was legalized and beginning also of, uh, of drugs. And so the founders of the community during that time, she was a Dominican sister. And uh, she saw a lot of her sisters leaving the, the convent she was living in or from one day to the other, uh, just removing their habit and wear uh, normal, normal clothes. And so, yeah, for her, that was really hard to, to see. And during that time, she heard in her heart a call to live more poorly, just as Saint Dominic was living at the beginning of, uh, of his life when he was an itinerant, uh, itinerant monk, preaching the gospel to whoever he would, uh, he would find. And so she had this in her heart, and so she told this desire to her prioress, to her superior sister. 
And the sister told her, oh, but what you have in your heart is beautiful and you, you cannot live it with us. You have to have the, the courage to find something new, to find something new. So she went on a retreat and the retreat was preached by a Franciscan brother. And it's during that retreat that uh, the community was, uh, was founded with the help of this priest. And when she talks about the foundation of the community, the sister, she says that it was founded during a night. She was in adoration and she heard in her heart, in his flesh, he has killed hatred as the incarnation of Christ, as the, as the response to, to the spirit of turmoil the church was facing. And um, so yeah, that's a bit the historical part of it. But for me, when I heard about like this motto, wounded, I will never cease to love and this in his flesh, he has killed hatred. For me, it was a, sing, a song of hope for my wounds that are, they were actually not, not to be hidden or not to be despised, but actually that they could become um, the, the springboard to, to show deep love to those who, who are around me. So yeah, it was healing in that aspect. And also, I think this motto provides a kind of a daily force, daily strength for going through each day, no matter what comes up. Remembering that there is something deeper, yeah, to which we're trying to to live up to. Mm-hmm. In a sense that all of our sufferings, viewed through the lens of Christ's suffering, uh, they're they're connected in that way. Mm-hmm. That Christ makes sense of our our wounds, our sufferings, in a way that that wouldn't make sense otherwise, mm-hmm. because of his of his sacrifice on the cross. And I mentioned Holy Cross as you talked about this community you're discerning, and then came to Notre Dame. Maybe speak a little bit about your encounter with Holy Cross and their spirituality Mm -hmm. and what that's been like for you. Yeah, I think Holy Cross has a beautiful spirituality as well, to which I really relate because I think their their motto, Hail the Cross, our only hope, really resonates to wounded I will never cease to love, right? Like, yeah, it's funny with Holy Cross because when I arrived, I found out about the names of the streets. Like there was this Holy Cross Drive and this Notre Dame Avenue. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be well accompanied this year um, at the crossroads of like Notre Dame and, and the Holy Cross. <laughs> Even um, in the names of the streets, uh, yeah. the, faith is, the faith is present, right? <laughs> the faith is present, yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been a big blessing to have Holy Cross on campus, and um, also, yeah, I, I think the priests are really, really talented and really, really gifted uh, in terms of, of yeah, of a figure of friendship in terms of their preaching on campus and. It, just in terms of their presence in the dorms, uh, I think it's a really valuable resource. Yeah, and it's funny for me to learn about Holy Cross here, which is which was founded in France. Right. Uh, and I didn't know about it in France because, uh, yeah, it's not from my region. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, um, and I, I can think, I can, I can see that really when I get to speak about Holy Cross spirituality with American people about. Saint Andre Besset or Basil Moreau or Edward Sorin, like. Um, yeah, it really brings me back to my French roots, and I actually discover a lot about French saints and uh, and uh, their history of, of faith in France, uh, being here in the U.S., which is really valuable to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's beautiful. You talked about finding some friendship at the Basilica. Mm, okay. What have been some of the the sacred spots on campus that have been a source of grace for you? Yeah, I think the Basilica has. Uh, really been one of them and it's funny because when I first entered in the basilica like I was so shocked by the profusion of things in the basilica it was so overwhelming to me like 
And at first, I, I really didn't like when I entered in the Basilica. It was just <laughs> too much for me. Too much of detail, too much of gold, too much of... Yeah, and especially it was summer, so the IC was super high. And then I would, like, put my hand in the holy water, and it was warmed up. And I was like, oh, these American people, are they're crazy. Like, they put AC everywhere, and then they warmed the holy water. Like, what's going on? But, uh, yeah, as I came to Delhi Mass at the Basilica, I don't know. It's, it's as if my eye got uh, attuned to the beauty that is there. And now I can say that really I enjoy the Basilica, the Basilica Mass, because there's something that I've that I've lived there with the people that are there, with the paintings that are there, uh, through which I received like uh, sometimes dispositions of, of of prayer or things like this. Yeah, and I actually I go to the Mass in the morning, and what I really love love is that there are a lot of retired people that go there, and they're a bit like a presence of uh, of maternity and and and. Uh, and fatherhood to me, mm. <laughs> um, yeah, because I'm away from my family this year, and uh, really friendships are really valuable with American people, with the other exchange students. Um, but it's true that Basilica Mass is a special time for me because uh, it gives me the opportunity to talk with, uh, yeah, figures of <laughs> that would mean their grandfather or grandmother. Yeah. Right, right. Mm. Any other places on campus? Oh yes. I think campus ministry, yeah, um, has been a, the Coleman Morse building, like has been a really good resource to me because I, d- I don't have that in France. And so coming here was really a big blessing to discover like the, the diversity of clubs on campus in which um, you can grow in your faith. And I think it's really, yeah, it's really good that those kind of resources are, are provided here. And um, yeah, I've grown a lot, especially with the help of my brothers and sisters in Christ and through the girl who is leading my Bible study, for example. And I would say also my dorm chapel has been a big place for me because I'm playing piano for Sunday Mass there. Mm. And it's a big joy for me to feel part of the community, even though I'm only here for a year, even though I'm, I'm, I'm not American. But yeah, to be to be part of it, to be to be accepted in it as I am, and to receive this joy to, to serve the community. Yeah, that's that's beautiful, and certainly a desire that we have for everyone who comes here to feel a part of this place and a sense of the universal church and, and the welcome that's there. I want to return to a little bit, you're talking about being a woman in the church mm-hmm. and making sense of that and, and what you saw in the sisters that was inspiring to you. So can you talk about that struggle? Yes, so coming here actually, I was looking for the way I presented my project to my home university is like to do a, some research on women in the church and what it means to to be a woman living up to to one to, to one's faith. Because I had to to shape my project in a certain way that it would pass with my home university. Yes, I can say that um, this question can be very intellectual and it's true that there's there can be some intellectual elaboration of, uh, of femininity but as for me like I, I got completely satisfied with this question when I received this concrete answer from from the Lord and when I received where he was calling me to next because I think we cannot uh, think of femininity or masculinity apart from our call to holiness and we think a lot about especially with like this um the current state of the church, like with the several scandals, like what's the place of, of women in the church? And I think actually we can really be inspired by the life of the saints. And especially when I hear about like being an empowered woman, 
as if like the past has always oppressed women and that we were never free. But I think there are in the saints that had lived in the past really examples of women that have really influenced the church in the right track. And I think especially of Catherine of Siena, uh, which is a foundational saint for the community I'm discerning with. And who really at the time when a lot of like masculine figures were schismatic, uh, she was the, the one bringing conciliation and, and conciliation and at the same time a purification of the church. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a feminine gift like to maintain that spirit of uh, conciliation, but, uh, but sticking to the truth as well. This is something I admire in Catherine of Siena. Yeah, such a rich spirituality as well. She was persecuted by her family when she was uh, young. She was very religious and her family was not, and so I, I really relate to her in that <laughs> aspect. And she had a cell in which she prayed and her parents destroyed her cell. Wow. And when I discovered that, I was like, oh, but it's like my parents, when sometimes I'm at home and they, they knock on the door, they enter my room and they find me praying and they're upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're like, ah, we can never talk to you. And so when I read about Catherine of Siena, I was like, ah, but like she has been going through this like before me and I can look at her and like find in her a, a figure of inspiration. And um, yes, I think one of the the female saints I, w- I would like to, to talk about is uh, Saint Claire of Assisi. She's also one of the foundational saints of the Sisters of the Lamb. And uh, yeah, I think I, I'm very inspired by her last words she said, be- she pronounced before her death. She said, may you be blessed, O Lord, you who created me. And I think discovering my femininity under the gaze of God brings me to a, to a, a, a praise of God for what he has created me to be. And yes, relying on the saints and on the intercession of those saints is a, for me a, a more satisfying answer than a, what I would be able to achieve uh, by solely my intellect. Mm, mm-hmm. mm. Yeah, that's very helpful. I do want to talk a little bit about your family's response to all of this, what seems like a tremendous deepening of your faith all the way to the point of discerning a religious vocation that I guess it wouldn't be a typical response to someone who who grew up in in the environment that you did but as I said you know the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. often finds a way to those who are open to it mm-hmm. but it seems like it's been a, a, a cross for you to bear so can you talk a little bit about what that's been like of the simultaneous deepening of your faith and then the response of your family to that yeah yeah, that's a hard question because it's been hard overall. I mean, I think my, my biggest challenge coming here in Notre Dame has not so much been like adapting to the culture or going to my classes, but I think it's been dealing with my uh, relationships with my family because we find ourselves in very different places, uh, having very different realities and different values and different uh, interests. And the things that matters in our eyes um, in life are really, really not the same. And so... Yeah, I can really feel that as I grew in faith, uh, there was kind of a, a distanciation that would like naturally come in with my family because after at first I was just going to mass on Sunday, so it didn't bother them that much. They were <laughs> they were like, okay, if it's her thing, then she can she right. can do her thing. Right. But when it became more more and more radical, I mean, I I stopped studying monetary economics to come here to study theology, and nobody does that in France. So that's quite <laughs> of a shock for my parents when they learned that I that I would study theology here and they still disapprove it now. So yeah, that's hard. Uh, that's hard not, uh, not having any affirmation in the, in the eyes of my parents. Um, but I think that when the, the Lord is calling to something, he, 
he resolutely calls right no matter no matter what friends or relatives may may think although they can have a really really good things to say sometimes and good advice to support but i think as for my faith uh, journey there is something so attractive in in pursuing um, the truth i read in the gospel that is not my family relatives that are going to re- refrain me from from doing that and especially in the light of seeing the fruits of how much um, faith life brings in my life also as we were speaking earlier with the holy cross spirituality like in the cross our only hope i think it's when i'm the saddest with regards to those family ties i mean sometimes i call them and we're all crying like my sister speaks very harshly my father is very cold my mother cries and like it's very chaotic mm-hmm. uh and it seems yeah a huge chaos but it's it's in those moments like when i'm i hang up the phone and i'm so sad that actually i i experience that my only my only source of life and my only source of joy is in the lord and so i remember a few weeks ago i i, I rang i had these difficult conversations with my family and i hanged up the phone and i was like oh so desperate and there was this uh, club that organizes a, um, a meeting on a sunday afternoons at 4 4 p.m which is the militia Immaculata, and there was a, a talk that was given there and that really gave me grace so much grace because it was talking about friendship and the mass and how they restore us in communion with the lord and with one another in a culture that leads uh, leads us to feel often uh, very isolated. And so her talk really spoke to my heart in, in the light of what had happened 20 minutes earlier. Mm. And I think this year has been kind of a succession of that, of harsh moments with my family, but uh, but uh, as well like the resources on campus and the, and the, and the intimacy with the Lord and the, fr- and, and the friendships I have, um, really, really putting grace in those, in those hard things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think we all have a desire to find friendship and support mm-hmm. and relationship in the faith that we don't, it's not something that we ever practice alone, that mm-hmm. we're part of this, this community. But sometimes that comes from unexpected places mm-hmm. or people that a year ago, you know, for you would have been strangers, mm-hmm. but all of a sudden through the intimacy of this shared faith, mm-hmm. There's a, there's a real relationship there and, and a real sense of, mm-hmm. of solace, of consolation, support. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. You mentioned spiritual direction as you began to think more deeply about the faith. So what has been your experience with spiritual direction and how has that practice been helpful to you mm-hmm. as, as you've gone on in discernment? Oh, yeah. Huh. I think it's really good to grow in, for me, it was really good to grow in awareness of the presence of the Lord in my life and also in to grow in holiness and in detachment from sin. Because um, when I converted, when I recognized Christ as the savior of my life, like it's not instantly like all oh, my being suddenly was oriented like 100 <laughs> percent of my day yeah. towards uh, yeah, the consideration of, I don't know, spiritual matters. Yeah, so it was, I don't know, at the beginning of the way, it was really a big blessing to to be spiritually directed. And then as I grew with this first community, I met with this uh, charismatic Jesuit community in France. I had a bad experience as well after with spiritual direction. And I think for me, that was a sign from the Lord that he was not calling me in this community. Yeah, spiritual direction had like become a kind of cross. <laughs> mm. But I was like, okay, Lord, like I've committed as a young adult of this community. So 
I'll bear this cross with you, um, knowing that you are good and knowing that you, you're the source of joy. And, um, and also what I found, what I grew in with this experience is a, a sense of obedience. As when I'm part of the community, I'm, I'm called to, to obey in some kind of way. And this is something that sounds very radical for the world around, right? <laughs> you, you obey, you're not free. But actually, yeah, it was part of like desiring to love my brothers and sisters uh, in Christ, even when it's uh, when it's difficult. And so after my commitment was over, because it was a commitment of two years, I met this other community and I, I, I had spiritual direction in this new community. And I can really say that the, the experience of um, fraternal life of the sisters is really a, a spiritual teaching for me. Yes, I remember, for example, one during last uh, winter break, I was uh, telling this uh, my spiritual director, the sister, about my difficulty with one of the sisters I was living with in the in the monastery during winter break, and um, and yeah, she gave me a lot of good uh, good tips to cultivate charity, and she was telling me, yeah, a bunch of women living together in a convent like it only works out through the grace of God. Like it's really, uh, <laughs> Sounds like a dorm on campus <laughs> sometimes. <right>? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Yeah, and so. Yeah, she was telling me, but things, really simple things, things of the gospel, like you pray for her every day and uh, try to cultivate charity um, more intentionally. It's kind of Jesus telling, like, if you're good with the people you like, then what, what recompense is, is there? Like, mm-hmm. be good to your enemies, right? So it's a bit of a strong word, but actually, yeah, she really challenged me in, the, in, in pursuing holiness in the midst of, of the difficulties in the monastery, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it also harkens back, you talked about that experience of mercy mm. as a young person, I believe you said in your first first year of college. Yeah. Let's delve into that a little bit, that experience of mercy that we share mercy because of what we have received, that mm. we forgive because we've been forgiven. So what has been your, your experience of receiving as well as offering mercy to others? Mm. Yeah, I think when I received this big experience of... Uh, when I, when I had this big experience of mercy from the Lord in my earliest years, I really see how wretched I, I was without the Lord. And so I think, yeah, I was really receptive to receive he, his love because I had really nothing I could uh, achieve by my own. And um, at this time, I was very much in the hookup culture before I, I converted. And so when I... Um, discovered that there was deeper joy to be found in the gospel and to be found found in a in a in intimacy with the Lord it took a time to convert my whole being to to what the gospel uh, calls me to to live up to and so yes during those years I remember that verse I received was um, all her sins have been forgiven because she has shown great love and so for me that was a good articulation of how when we receive mercy it's 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 also to to share it towards the others and to and to have a yeah a, a gaze of love towards uh, towards our relatives and towards our friends and it really helps me not to to judge the people I I grow I grow in faith with and also my family because my sisters are very much in that um, and my parents really yeah really live in uh, according to to the manners of this world and um, really sometimes it can be a a challenge not to get pride out of my faith mm-hmm. because I can really see that they're going the wrong way. And um, so, yeah, I think having had that experience of mercy is uh, 
is humbling. And when I remember, when I remember it, when I make the effort of remembering it, it helps me definitely not to judge because yeah, the Lord has a plan for, for each and every one of us and for my parents and sisters included. And so he took time with me when I look back uh, to make me grow in holiness. And I think he is going to take the same time or more time or less time with each of my relatives. Well, and that's, it's really important to understand the patience of the Lord's mercy. And, mm. and as we've talked about a couple of times, the way that the Holy Spirit works, that in some ways the Holy Spirit was working through people other than your family mm. to help with your own conversion back to back to Christ and in some ways it seems like your life now is is an example and a witness possibly to others and so to be open to mm. you know being used as that instrument I think is is a wonderful thing mm. let's get into then this talk of holiness we've talked about oh, yes. oh, you've mentioned it a couple of times this pursuit of holiness what does that mean to you what does that look like mm. for you in your life yeah that's a good question. In the first days I came here, I uh, received a verse uh, from the Gospel of Luke. Uh, it, it was Mary and Martha, and Martha was like upset with all the serving. <laughs> and Jesus, Jesus responds to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. And for me, it was really telling because I was like thinking about all these things, like doing great in my schoolwork, doing great in my relationships with my friendships, maintaining good relations with my parents, and like going to church and to uh, and pray sufficiently and all this pressure that felt very weighty on me. And I received this verse, but there is need of only one thing as a true liberation that like lift a, a stone off my shoulders uh, that I had to be to be successful in all these things. And of course, all these things matter, right, to holiness. Um, but I think through this verse, the Lord invited me to rest, to ponder his words as the first thing I need above above everything else and that everything else will uh, unfold from, from this relationship with him. And I could really have a sense that how sometimes I try to achieve holiness by my own, uh, thinking, okay, I'm going to do it, I'm strong. But in fact, in fact, like, this verse came to, to challenge me, to humble me and saying, no, but like, actually the first thing you have to do is quite simple, right, is, is remember my word so that you can infuse all what you do and, and all the, the interactions you have. And so, yes, I can say... Practically, one thing the sisters uh, taught me in order to, to keep his word is to manducate, as I uh, talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. And what I do is like I write on a little piece of paper from my morning prayer, a verse of the gospel that, I, that touched my heart. And I put it in my pocket in order to be able to consult it from time to, to time during the day. And... Yes, I really experienced that this verse became this becomes the subtext of the of the day. Sometimes it sheds a light on a on an encounter or or on a on the thing I have been doing. Or yeah, I think also I don't know too. Well, I like to think about this idea that to maintain our physical strength, we we eat right or we sleep. We mm -hmm. go to the dining hall or we go to our <laughs> bed, and usually it does the work. But uh, what do I do to maintain? Uh, to nurture my soul during the, during the day, right? Like I, I can have a very cloistered approach of prayer, right? Like now is the time of prayer and now is the time of my day where I do everything I need to do. Mm -hmm. But I think the Lord has been challenging me and like surely like uh, valuing those times of intentional prayer, but he's been challenging me and letting those this time of prayer infuse the disposition of uh, my disposition 
during all the day and uh, and yeah in like making sure that everything I do I do it in in communion with him um, and uh, I doing for for the sake of his of his glory hmm. Hmm. that's tremendous yeah it's I mean it's clear to me that uh, you just you have this disposition of openness of, of to receiving the grace that that is coming to you at, at all these different phases in your life which I think is 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 tremendous and it it leaves us with a sense of well we're never done we're mm-hmm. never we've never reached the mountaintop on, on this side of heaven but it's always something where we're realizing more and more how much we need God um, it, through other people through prayer through all these experiences that will never be completely filled in this life has that has that does that resonate with you yeah yeah it's true and it's a uh, it's not something to be desperate about that it's never <laughs> ending right because like the joy is only increasing uh, mm. since i converted and of course like there are some periods sometimes of hurdle but yeah i've been lately like pondering with this winter like i've been thinking looking at the trees like in the in the in the spring and in the fall and in the and in the summer they're very beautiful they have tr- they have leaves they have flowers and in the winter they have nothing and for me it was very telling for my spiritual life that there are also some cycles like this and sometimes it's okay to not see the fruit of my prayer or it's okay to feel very barren and to feel very very useless yeah. uh, because the the lord may be working something in my heart maybe deepening the roots and actually and actually that's a that's a good thing as well. And so, yeah, but overall, I think growing, growing with the Lord is an increasing of joy and of peace. And I, and I think, yeah, it's a, it's a big blessing. Yeah, that's, mm. that's really, that's great. So what does the future look like for you, your plans after you finish here this semester? And mm. obviously, we, we don't ever know exactly <laughs> yeah. what, what God's plans have in store for us. But what, what does the future look like for you? Yeah, so uh, two weeks ago, I've just been uh, accepted in uh, religious life for oh, next year. Congratulations! Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. In the so I think I'll be in the in the place of formation of the of the little sisters of the Lamb. Um, so they're a community founded in in France, and they have one place in the U.S. in which I have been uh, going a couple of times uh, since I arrived here in August. Uh, but so next year I'll be in France, in the in the southwest of France in this kind of retired place, just as I think the, the Holy Cross uh, men go to Colorado, right, for another right, right. to to discern. Yeah, so I think I'll be in this retired place for a couple of years to see if that's what the Lord wants for me and if uh, this community is the land in which he, he wants me to grow. Well, and I'm sure going to live in that place of contemplation will help you discern that vocation better to the sisters. What has been inspiring as you've seen these particular this particular order of sisters pursue holiness in their own way. Mm. I think when the one of the striking aspects of the community for me was um, that they're a mendicant order, which means that they uh, beg bread. They go twice a week. They go out of their monastery to go on mission. They say, and they go to knock at the doors to ask food for to the people. And actually, it's how Saint Dominic would uh, would preach um, um, the gospel as an itinerant monk. He would not like uh, teach uh, people in a very condescending way, but actually, like he would like situate himself like kind of in this disposition of radical uh, necessity um, and uh, ask people for food. 
and then uh, that would uh, spark a, a conversation and a, and a relation in which uh, he was rooted to to yeah to give his, his witness and so I think I, th I see a lot of that in the sisters and how much of a witness it is to the to the world right when you have some sisters that knock at your door they have really good stories of mission to, to tell uh, that they have compiled in the book as well and so in between the first time I came to see them and the second time I actually read that book and for me that was a, a kind of a, oh that's what I want my life to look like <laughs> mm. um, so yeah that was a good indicator for me and uh, so yeah I really like that aspect of the community and also maybe one other thing I can talk about is their their poverty because they're a Dominican order but also, they were influenced by Franciscan spirituality because the priest that helped for the foundation of the of the committee was a Franciscan. And so, when I go to their monastery, like it's really hard. Like we have shower with buckets of water, and like mm. we see, we sleep with no mattress, right? Like wow. that's pretty uh, <laughs> kind of like pulls apart from like the life, I, 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 the cool life I, I live on campus. Uh, and so, yeah, coming there, it's hard. But actually, I, I experienced that each of these occasions where where I lack. Uh, the comfort I'm used to is a, is actually an occasion to ask the grace of God. And so for the first time of my life, when I went to the sisters, I found myself like praying before having a shower because <laughs> there was no other way to go. So that my shower Lord, help me through this, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's true. Like every every office, they begin with like, as a monastic order, like, Lord, come to my assistance. And like, it's not something that they live just uh, in the office, but that impregnates their whole daily life because yeah a lot of things um, come through the, the grace of God they don't buy food like they're only people who bring them food and so for me being there uh, during the the winter break was very telling because like every 15 minutes maybe there is somebody knocking at the door to either bring food or, or sometimes they are sad so they want to come to have a word of comfort for the, for the from the sisters or sometimes they come to help to clean the monastery or things like this and I can really see how much their presence um, is a is a is a friendship to the people who live around the monastery, and especially because they when they build a new monastery, they often build it in poor neighborhoods. So the neighborhood there in in in, in Kansas City is a is a neighborhood, yeah, with a lot of gangs, a lot of a lot of drug trafficking and um, immigrants as well. And I can really see the brokenness of the of the the exterior brokenness of the neighborhood they they live in, but which is nothing than nothing, not, no other thing than the brokenness of each other, one of our hearts. Mm. And so, so yeah, they live in this uh, really sharp awareness that what they see around them is only what is in in their heart. And so, I think that's a great uh, that's a great way to to ask the Lord His mercy to come, either for 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 ourselves but for the world around. Yeah, it's this sense of if if our interior disposition is not of God, then that plays out in our society, our mm -hmm. world, and our relationships. But it seems like these sisters living in this area, it's not only the holiness that is there within, but all of a sudden they're having an influence positively and in a grace-filled way in in the community where where they're physically located, which is yeah. a, a tremendous a tremendous gift. Mm -hmm. Well, Audrey, I just want to thank you for your time yeah, with us and with your faith in the audience. I can tell you that 
as people are listening to this, a lot of people are going to be praying for you in your future discernment and, and what you have next. And please pray for our Faith in D family and for this audience because it's in this friendship, as you talked about, in this relationship that, that we help one another on the journey towards heaven. So just want to thank you for, you, for all that you've done for us. No problem. <laughs> thank you. Well, that concludes this episode of Everyday Holiness, a Faith Indie podcast. If you do not already receive our daily gospel reflection, we invite you to sign up at faith.nd.edu slash sign up. There, in addition to receiving the daily gospel reflection, you'll also receive notification of future episodes of this podcast. We thank you for listening, and we hope to have you with us next time. Mm-hmm.